Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Covington playing Levine, topside three ball, bam! Onions, baby onions! Zach Levine in the Bulls! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Levine to White, this time he gives it to Williams for three. The rookie! The Pumpa! What a shot! Host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Are you flat out kidding me? Matt Peck used to do a great job with the Bulls Outsider Show. Now he's doing Locked on Bulls. There he is, human foreburn. Oh, don't mess with the pooch. But watch this crossover. Bulls bird of free league ghost. So kick back. I'm not. Relax. And get ready for the best hour of your day. Uh, you know, I'm not. You can just see the vibe. And these guys are men. Locked on Bulls starts now. I love it. Pass to Levine with a right-handed jackhammer slam. Oh, my goodness, that was filthy. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. I'm getting out the dancing shoes. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369, the place to hit us up. Today's episode is brought to you by the NBA playoffs. They're almost here. We got less than 24 hours. Don't miss the big storylines and team previews you can find every day on the Locked On NBA podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Quick note on that. Anybody having trouble with downloading our podcasts on Apple? Everything looks good to go now. So all of our episodes are up there. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, We did not go anywhere. Speaking of that, Matt, how are you? Is it a big sigh of relief after the season being over? What are your thoughts and uh, how are you? Jordan, what's up, man? What's up, Bulls Nation? <clears throat> it was certainly relief last night. Um, you know me. I was disappointed that uh, the Bucks, right before tip-off, basically shut everybody down because they learned from the previous result with Brooklyn that they were already locked in to their spot in the East playoff seating. So they had no reason to play anybody important last night. So they did a last-minute switcheroo right before tip-off, and it was G League Bucks versus G League Bulls. If the Bucks had something to play for, then the Bulls take an L last night, and they at least stay in eighth in the draft lottery standings. Because the Bulls win, and Sacramento and New Orleans both lost, they all end up with 31 wins. So instead of being alone in eighth in those draft lottery standings, the Bulls are now tied with those two teams, and the percentages of those eight, nine, and ten spots all get added up and then divided by three evenly dispersed. So that means that each of those teams now have 20% and change. As opposed to if the Bulls managed to get an L last night, they would have 26%. So, you know me. I've been looking at these draft lottery standings for weeks now, and I'm a little salty about that. But I'm more just relieved that it's over. Well, I, see, that's why Like, I, I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, it would have been nice. But at the same time, there's no controlling it at this point. So, the offseason being what it's going to be and very important for this team It'll be fun. It'll be cool if the Bulls end up there, but it's not very likely anymore. I'm thinking about just kind of thinking about the season as a whole and some of the games that we might have forgotten about early on in the season. And I kept mm-hmm. what kept sticking with me is going back to all of the games that the Bulls lost in close games, whether it be by five or less points, man. I mean, going mm-hmm. through the first third of the season, dude, it it's incredible. 
to see how many games the Bulls either blew, had leads late in the fourth quarter, and that's something that Zach Levine continued to reference over and over again. And I was just sitting there yesterday watching that Bucks game, I'm like, man, if we could have just if we could have just won one or two or more of those games, we would have been in. We wouldn't even have had to worry about this or have this conversation of whether or not we're going to end up in the top four. Um, it just right. frustrates like, me, man. Charlotte lost out their last four, which if the Bulls had managed to win. Um, you know, was one of the scenarios before the Bulls lost that first game to Brooklyn. But, you know, Charlotte was the last team in the playoffs, play in for the East with 33 wins. Indiana had 34. Washington had 34. I mean, the Bulls finished with 31. If you talk about, you know, just rattling them off that you can think of, the Oklahoma City choke job, Golden State, Portland, when Dame did Dame things at the end with some controversial no calls, um, losing to, 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 uh, Minnesota losing to Orlando at home. I forgot about the Minnesota I, loss. I'm mean, like, that's five right there where you talk, you could be talking about 36 wins instead of 31. And it's really unfortunate. Um, and, and it is, you know, that whole cliche of learning how to win, learn how to close. We, we saw it as a problem last season. That problem remained this season. And look, I mean, if the bulls improve in a few easy areas, not easy, but just improve, your turnover problem from this season, they, I think they finished 27th in the NBA in turnover. Um, it, you know, improve your bad fouling. That was a problem all season long. And, and and get to the free throw line more. If you can do those three things, you're talking about having a lot more wins in close games. It's frustrating to think about. Like, even, even keeping Levine being basically out four weeks and that stretch and that chunk of games – even keeping that in there, they still had opportunities in the first 20 games to win ones. Like, here's a couple other ones that I didn't even remember. Like, the Minnesota loss I didn't remember about, but Game 9 against the Kings, the Bulls had the lead basically the entire fourth quarter to the end, 128-124. It went on that stretch of a four-game losing streak where you thought the West Coast trip was pretty good. Like, they lost by a bucket to the Lakers. They lost on a last possession to the Clippers. And then we had the OKC disaster. That was just, that was pathetic. But any of those games you think about, uh, the OKC one is just the most damning, I think, out of all of those losses early. But again, we were patient, and I think it, it goes back to not really knowing the identity of this team yet, and you still saw some of the remnants of last year seeping over of not being able to close out games. I think the Bulls hit their stride there, though, when they were able to find some chemistry and finally find some closing lineups to use, more notably going with Thad before they made the trades. But, I mean, I mean, man, there's probably a dozen games that the Bulls were within five points and or had a lead yeah. going in five minutes or less. And, you know, they also played Phoenix and Utah in very close games. Right. Consecutive games. And they were both losses, but they were examples of, wow, look look how look how close we are to the elite of the Western Conference. And, and those were close losses. So add those to the pile. Um, you know, it as much as I'm not entirely surprised by a 31 and 41 finish compared to what my expectations were to begin the season – and yes, you added some talent at the trade deadline. You added an all-star. So maybe expectations should have been bumped up. Certainly they were bumped up by the fan base when we were all excited about the boots trade. But, you know, and, and uh, we're gonna, I know we're going to hear from Donovan in a little bit here, but he spoke, among many things, about how that, that trade came at just the worst possible time, just based on the trade deadline and where it fit into the Bulls' calendar, the Bulls' schedule. They go on this gauntlet West Coast road trip completely changing their style of play. 
bringing in an all-star caliber player who Donovan obviously put an emphasis on getting you know Vooch involved and settled right away, which screwed up with everybody else and their predetermined roles up to that point in the season. It wasn't easy to do. Not to mention the fact that while they were trying to do that, they had zero time to practice because they were playing every other night. I, I mean, yes, it's disappointing, but I think, you know, and Vooch spoke to this, Donovan spoke to this. That trade was not just about this season. Is it disappointing that they couldn't use that to get into the play-in? Yeah, sure. But, at, like, credit them for at least getting through this ridiculously complex season with a third of the roster being overhauled halfway through it. That's, you know, it's not easy. And Bulls fans who were expecting the flip of a switch overnight and and W's to start stacking, we're, we're not living in reality. I think more of it will come throughout the week as I start to think about some of the other games and potentially what the Bulls are going to do this offseason. Uh, most notably, we're going to hear and we're going to listen and kind of react to AK's comments. He's speaking or has spoken as we record this right now. Um, we're going to listen to him tomorrow and kind of react because I'm interested to hear, although I don't think he's going to say very much in terms of context and like what exactly are the plans, but I am interested to hear how he thought the end of the season went making those trades and how it impacts what they're going to do in this off season. I'm curious if somebody will ask him bluntly about Lowry marketing or asked him about Lowry marketing and some of these other pieces on this team that we're not really sure if they're going to stick around. I think getting a clear path on what their goals are for the offseason is sort of what I'm looking for. But yeah, you're right. Donovan was fantastic last night. And unfortunately, it had to be after like a weird game where they won, but it was just like kind of a downer. You're not making the playoffs uh, and sort of reflecting after a game can be tough. But uh, he had some really good things to say, man. Yeah, I, I love a lot of what we heard from Donovan. Um, I I've been sneaking peeks at what AK has said. The people have been tweeting out over the last hour or so. I, I love a lot of what AK said. Like you said, we're going to tackle that on uh, an episode tomorrow. But you, you you mentioned Lowry. He was asked about Lowry directly, and the and his answer might uh, might surprise you and some Bulls fans. Um, Jordan, before we get to some thoughts from the Bulls head coach Billy Donovan at the conclusion of the season, wanted to take a minute to tell y'all about Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests that add, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet those requirements. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. A couple quick positives. As I was just looking over the record, uh, the Bulls, this is their first 30 plus win season since 2016, 2017. They were 41 and 41. Yeah. I was under Fred Hoiberg and... Uh, 
Before that, I didn't realize this, but before that, the Bulls had not had a season with less than 40-plus wins in nine years, going all the way back to 2007-2008, where they had 33 wins. That was the Ben Gordon year. Um, Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting how things changed over a decade or so. It was like, you were so used to winning, and then all of a sudden, it abruptly stops. It's... It's weird to think about. It feels like these last four years have been a lot longer, and it I don't remember that winning culture as much, as much as we've gone through the last four years, man. I mean, so I know that a couple of those were Vinny Del Negro, but by and large, you know what a lot of that is? Hey, did y'all see how the Knicks got the four seed in the East? <laughs> that's that's Tom Thibodeau for you. That dude, that dude will get you to 40 regular season wins. Whatever it takes, Tibbs will get you to 40 regular season wins. And regardless of a healthy D-Rose or a not healthy D-Rose, uh, uh, in the hospital with a spinal tap that went poorly, Luol Deng, Kirk Heinrich, DJ Augustine, doesn't matter. Tibbs knows how to get teams to 40 wins in the regular season. Does it come at a price? Long conversation for a different day. But yeah. Bulls fans got used to bare minimum 40 wins for a long time there because we had a good coach and we had talent. I'm going to have to look this up and I'll get back later on the in the week on this, but how how likely was it for teams where the Bulls were at, at 22 wins last year to make a nine-win jump like they did this season? I'm curious what the likelihood of that is or how often that happened in the NBA throughout history because a nine-game jump is pretty big. Like You should win nine more games with two All-Stars compared to last season. But um, Well, and you had one of those All-Stars for only the final third of the season. Correct. And you played a 72-game season instead of the 65 that the non-bubble Bulls finished with last season. So you played seven, seven more games and you won nine more games. So, you know, technically an improvement, um, probably not the improvement that a lot of Bulls fans were hoping for. If we're being honest, too, if the Bulls had finished out that season, it was probably going to be like maybe one or two oh, wins. All L. Do you remember the Bulls' end to their schedule Is that last brutal season? West Coast trip that they would have had to like, take? They, they weren't going to win another. They were going to finish with – they had, whatever, 17 more games to go. They were going to finish with the 22 wins they had at the, at the time. Yeah, it would have been a lot of Shaq Harrison and Chris Dunn playing like 35, 40 minutes a night. You know, um, they may have gotten one or two down the stretch from teams that were resting guys because they, you know, they, their positions were already locked or whatever. But other than that, yeah, that that team was a disaster. Uh, let's speaking of the head coach, let's hear from Billy Donovan. Uh, I think one of the most interesting things that he said yesterday was more focusing on what we were just talking about, some of the challenges that they had uh, post-trade deadline and why it may or may not impact them short-term and long-term, how it does. Um, So this is kind of his thought process on it. Take a listen. A third of our roster got turned over. And with the roster being turned over, one of the things I think that was the challenging part was, you know, we didn't have a chance to work with each other. We didn't have a chance to practice. We threw this thing together. We went on a West Coast trip. I'm trying to figure out things on the fly of how the best way for our team to play. That's something I'm going to take a deep dive into myself personally. You know, other things I could have done differently or done better. But I think the one thing that I've seen, and I haven't been in the NBA that long, when you look at these trades, most of the trades are trades to add. And generally, the trades are guys coming off the bench or filling a hole. This was a, I don't want to say a blockbuster trade close to it, but this was a trade where immediately a guy comes in here and now he's unequivocally 1A or 1B right away. 
Those things don't normally happen in the NBA. But when you talk about bringing in the caliber of player of Nicola and then Daniel Tice, who's come from obviously a lot of winning in Boston and also Javante and then Troy, like the whole entire thing got kind of flipped upside down. And now you're left with a day of practice that these guys cannot participate in because you're taking a West Coast trip and they haven't cleared the medical aspect of it. And now all of a sudden you're going to Golden State, San Antonio, Phoenix, Utah, and you just keep, okay, what do we learn about this game? What do we learn about that game? So yes, it was, it was, it was hard to, um, to make that kind of trade and to your point, not get to postseason. But it was also a trade, I think, if you go around and look at a lot of trades, how many of those kind of trades where a trade was made where a guy immediately elevated and was so good that you had to totally take advantage of his skill set. And doing that, it obviously impacted a lot of other guys on the team. I know it's not what Bulls fans want to hear, but it's a lot of context around the season that we just watched unfold in the last six, eight weeks. It's true, too. It sucks to lose Levine. And I'm even thinking about it, too, now. We needed Vooch to step in right away and do what he was doing in, with the Magic, like, immediately. Because then Zach went out, and you're like, oh, shit. Now we're down to one person that truly can score. And I think it took him a couple of weeks to truly get comfortable being able to do stuff like that. Um, same thing with Tyson. Like he's saying, like, when you have a day in between games, man... It's so difficult, and already with the Bulls having a tendency not to be able to close games, then you throw a third of a different roster in there. I think it's tough, so I give Billy Donovan a little bit of credit, but I also like that he said he's going to go back and look what he could have done better and see what he improves, and that'll be the biggest thing is the adjustment year one to year two. Yeah, I mean, it didn't sound like Donovan was making excuses It sounded like a guy who was laying out, as you said, the context of everything that went into that huge roster overhaul on trade deadline day and where the Bulls were in their schedule and the extra COVID protocols that all these teams have to deal with that made it harder to integrate those guys on the fly on a road trip. That's not excuses. That's just just reality. That's facts. And to... Immediately follow that up by saying, I need to look at what I could have done better in that transitionary period for the new guys, for the guys that were already here, learning game by game to see how maybe I could have found a rotation that was consistent earlier than I did. It's a coach who is looking inward and looking to himself instead of saying, well, you know, Zach was out or this player didn't play up to Uh, the level that I expected or the guys didn't close games. He blamed himself and took responsibility himself first and often through his comments after the game last night, which may not seem like something that important and may seem like it's something that should be a given for an NBA coach who wins and losses end of the day. It's on you. Players got to go out there and play, but coaches get hired to get fired as they say. And the drastic shift in the way that our current coach handles that compared to the way the old one did, I think is wildly important because there was a lot of finger blaming and a a finger pointing and blaming from our old coach when things weren't going well. And I can't remember any, any time when he took any accountability himself. 
And Billy Donovan, you always hear, is a player's coach. Players like him. Players feel like, as Thad Young said recently, that they are listened to, that their opinions matter, that this coach cares about them, and will never call them out publicly. He can make them feel like they need to be held accountable, and they are being held accountable within the confines of their locker room and their huddle on the bench during a game. But you will never see Billy Donovan throw a player under the bus the way our old coach did, and that matters. Yeah, I'm just thinking about it, like the the Boylan stuff. It, at this point, it doesn't even really matter. Must to you me. use his name? It's, to, <laughs> Come to me, on, it doesn't Jordan. Even, it, it doesn't even really matter about him. It, it matters more so of like, okay, granted, as a Bulls fan, I can be a little bit patient, right? I can be a little bit patient with this season. It was a weird season. A lot of things happened. Okay, great. I, I'm fine with that. I think the next thing that I'd like answered is if you start to pick apart some of the Bulls' wins and you start to think about the teams that they beat, even some of the good wins that they've had this season, how many teams had guys out, like critical role players or stars out? There's a laundry list, Matt. Shout out to our guy, Rick Camp. He showed me the list. He goes, I just I just categorized guys after the All-Star break and all the, goal, all the games the Bulls played and all the games that had guys, major key players missing. And I was like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we're going to have to talk about at some point is like, how real were actually these wins? What did it mean? And what happens if every team was fully healthy and that's who you're stacked up against? Right. I want to know what Billy Donovan is going to do. I give him a little. I give him a little bit of credit. I will be stay patient because he's laying the foundation for some of the key role players that are going to be here over the next three or four years. Um, but he's real, man. It's nice to have a head coach for once who's actually real. Um, that being said, I think we should take another listen to something real quick. I want you guys to hear him talk a little bit about Zach Levine. Uh, before we do that, I want you guys to hear about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. The play-in starts tomorrow. The East play-in starts tomorrow. Celtics and Wizards, Pacers and Hornets. Looking forward to both of those, and you can bet on all of those at Bet Online. Head to their website or use a mo- your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Go to their website right now. 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. Go to Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is also brought to you by our great friends at Built Bar. Did you know Built Bar have nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavors? Jordan, I saw on Built Bar's Twitter the other day, or maybe it was Instagram, that they're bringing back that birthday cake flavor uh, sometime later this week for a limited time. That one, I know you and I both got a six-pack of those uh, you know, a while ago, and holy crap, that flavor is amazing. So be on the lookout for that. Plus, you got their always available flavors like cherry, raspberry, coconut almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, so, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all these Built Bar flavors yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars delicious, but they are healthy for you too. Most of these Built Bar flavors have 17 whole grams of protein, but only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So one thing before we go to the Levine thing, 
Uh, I want you to hear 30 seconds of Billy Donovan on Thaddeus Young because I think it goes back to something that we talked about last week, late last week. Take a listen to his big endorsement in 30 seconds. Thad Young was awesome all year long. He was great. You know, I look at his leadership in the locker room. I basically spoke about this all year long with him. I mean, even when the trade happened and his role changed, you know, even what he did tonight, you know, here's a guy that's been in the league for 14 years. It's the last game of the year. People would say, oh, you're not playing for anything. I think I mentioned to Cheryl before the game, I think you're always playing for something when the scoreboard's up there. And the guy goes out and gets 20, you know, and just plays like it's just another game, just loves to compete. So I, I loved the opportunity with that. I, I love being around him. I love what he did for our young guys. I love what he did, you know, for our team. He was great. Sounds a lot like that ain't coming back. Is that is that how you interpreted that? That is how I took that. And whether or not that's for sure or not, I don't know. But it wouldn't be Thad leaving on his own. It was more so thinking about a potential trade. They're trying to make cap space. I don't know. That's that's me. That's maybe me overanalyzing. What did you think from that? I think that that was just Billy Donovan praising a veteran who did a hell of a lot for him on the court and did a hell of a lot for him as a proxy you know, like player slash coach as far as a leadership role on this team of very young players that desperately needed that. Um, and I think that once again, going back to last season versus this season, Thad bought in this season because he respected and liked and appreciated Billy Donovan and the new front office guys who came in. We know because they came from Thad, Thad's own mouth that he said the words about last year was so bad I contemplated retirement. So Thad maybe have bought in at the beginning of last season when he first arrived and how long did it take where he's not getting real minutes and he has to listen to this ridiculous buffoon of a coach and this ridiculous buffoon of a coach is asking Thad to just, you know, troll around the perimeter and jack up threes every night, which is not what Thad Young does as a 12, 13 year vet at the time. Thad being bought in is a way more effective way for Thad Young to be a player slash coach and a leader for the young guys on this team. Because if Thad was annoyed, disillusioned, pissed off, whatever you want to call it, last year at game 10, game 15, and was mentally checked out because of it, how much do you think he actually put into being that veteran leader last season, effort-wise? Not nearly as much as this season. So... I'm not trying to read the tea leaves of what Donovan said there about Thad's future and whether or not he's coming back on this partial guarantee or he will be a cap casualty because they want to make, you know, umpteen million changes to this roster. I think that that was just genuine appreciation from a coach, a first-year coach here with this organization for a player who did everything that Thad was asked to do and did. I'm going to read the tea leaves because I think about what that the tone that Thad had last week. I, I mean, I said it to you. I said that kind of sounds like Thad isn't maybe sure if he's coming back. And the way he talked about Levine, and when I said I think that Thad could be a part of a – he could be a part of a trade that ends up like, okay, I can accept going somewhere. Maybe it's about making more money too. I know he's only making $8 million guaranteed next season, but – I think about all of that. Dad's value has never been higher in his career than it is right now. And the opportunity to win a championship has never been better for him right now in terms of where he's at in position. Where the Bulls stand, too. He's the most valuable trade assets the Bulls have right now. So, again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. 
I'm reading and listening to the way that they talk, and I think that they're still very unsure whether or not he would be here. Again, goes back to need to hear what AK says, need to see what they do over the next month. But I wouldn't be so sure. I wouldn't count it out for sure, 100% that that's uh, written down in pen, ready to be a part of the starting seven or the starting eight of your unit uh, next season. I, yeah, I, I really I mean, don't. I think it's I think it's fair to say it is a toss-up right now with Thad. I've seen some beat writers who are clearly in the know saying would be surprised if Thad's not here next season because of, you know, how highly his coach and his executives have talked about him in this one season. But we do know also that, hey, the partial guarantee is something the Bulls can use to their advantage if they want to change things up. And it is in their best interest right now to not show any of their hand as far as what their plans are for the coming months. So, you know, re- read away if you want to be reading tea leaves. Um, I-, I am curiously excited to see what what decisions happen. If, if Thad does end up not being here next season, we'll be sad to see him go because of all of the things he's done. Um, but I also think that this team's executives and its coach know that they need to do some changes to this roster. They need to adjust some things. They need to bring in more talent. They need to address holes on this roster. And that might mean that Thad's on his way out. But until we know one way or the other, I'll, you know, all I'll do is just have respect for Thad Young. I think about it too. I don't know if I would have said this pre-trade deadline. Like that for sure when we were talking about whether or not Levine stays long-term. I wouldn't have said it. But now that we have Vooch, I think Vooch adds a different type of leader in that locker room too. And I think about the connection that he has with Thad too. It's like that that was Thad's rookie too. So in a lot of ways, the way that he mentored Zach, I think there's more of a, both of those guys feel more comfortable with the idea of, Hey, it's not make or break for Zach long-term here. If a guy like Thad's not here to be his veteran, I think it goes back to the thing I was saying last week is is just maybe it's okay and Zach feels more comfortable and there's not as much weight mm-hmm. on it as there was maybe three months ago before you made this Vooch trade. Um, we'll, we'll see, though. The other elements to this, uh, you know, if you want to just quickly dabble into the whole salary cap conversation, with the Bulls dropping now to just a 20% chance to jump into the top four and keep that pick, assume that doesn't happen. Then you're talking about what would have been a top four picks cap hold of minimum, I think, $7.2 million on their rookie scale salary that you could now use elsewhere. I It looks like the Bulls are going to operate as an above-the-cap team this offseason. Then you have mid-level exception at your disposal. You have the biannual exception that you could use, maybe – you know, something like a a return of Garrett Temple, another quality veteran who you could get for cheap. There are ways that they can keep Thad if they see him as that valuable of a piece and free up some money around the fringes in other ways. And if they don't get that number four pick, a rookie that they'll have to pay $7 million to, that's certainly some extra change right there. Look, I haven't looked at the salary cap of recently, like, or the the Bulls in terms of the next couple of years, but I know, like, right off the top of my head, Archie's making like three million. Um, Team so, option on that. Oh, so that's good. So, like, like you're talking about some of the fringe things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're the, shed- the one that's a player option is Aminu, who I think is like ten mil. So, assuming he picks that up, then that'll that'll cut into their room. 
Yeah, I saw somebody talking about waving and stretching him as being the easiest way to get yourself some cap space and some flexibility. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like I honestly don't understand. I don't know if for sure Thomas Adaransky is even going to be back. Um, Probably not. If they address point guard somewhere else, I would say, given that he's also a partial guarantee, I think only five mil. Um, they can, you know, they can say goodbye to him. But you know, speaking of stretch and wave, you know who they don't have to stretch a wave, Jordan. You know who we don't have to field texts and calls begging Bulls fans, hey, why don't they stretch a wave this guy? Felicio, because he's gone. I think he's going to retire. Yeah, I think he's going to retire. Over. Yeah, dude, he's going to take his $32 million and buy a house on a beach in Brazil. All all the best to him. I saw, um, I can't remember who on Twitter, but somebody broke down in that four-year contract span, the minutes that Felicio actually was on the floor, with his four-year 32 uh, contract, it averaged out to almost $49,000 per point scored. Every time Felicio scored a point this season, that point, or or, or across the past four seasons, that point was $49,000. I just heard him. I just heard Adam Amin go. Uh, oh, look at Felicio's got f- uh, a season high of four rebounds, and I'm like, oh Jesus! I'm like, a season high of four rebounds is a big. Yeah, that's because he played more than four minutes. Yeah, it's going to. It's going to be funny. We'll 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 see him. We'll see him retire. He'll end up going back to Brazil, and he can be a basketball hero there. Um, but yeah, good riddance. Good for him. He he got the bag. Thirty two million, man. Uh, for not doing a whole damn lot. Uh, you can thank Dwayne Wade and Partial for that. So maybe you'll go hang out in Utah and uh, he'll sign like a non-guaranteed contract to, to be joined at camp in Utah or something. Oh, um, goodness gracious. With that being said, man, uh, we've got a lot to talk about throughout the rest of the week, um, whether it be listening to what AK has to say and reacting to that. But we also want to get your thoughts. 331-979-1369. Your text messages, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. You can tweet at us, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.